Well, in the four years, we won two championships, and our team was pretty well. So one agent, he sent me to Slovakia for a test. That was a Slovakian Premier League. The team was called FC Vion, and I was there two weeks preseason. Then I did good, and we went to Turkey for more preseason. And from there, I signed with the team. I was there a few months, like five, six months. And that was probably the best experience playing in a European hop week. So that was probably the best. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs. But there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Mo Ali Hyderpour. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. And yeah, thank you for coming on. The rolling. So I assume right in the delivery room, you come out and you start giving your mom tips on how to dribble the ball, right? Like it just started from day one. Yeah, it's in the blood. Exactly. But let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? Where were you born? So I was born in Iran in a city oh. called Meshad. And then when I was six, moved to Toronto, Canada and grew up mostly in Canada and now the U.S. And were you part of sort of the Iranian revolution, like getting out of Iran during that? Is that? Uh, oh, it was after that. It was after that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. how were those early days, like zero through six? Were you already into soccer? What what'd your parents do? Like what was going on when you were out there? Yeah. So actually my grandpa was also a former player. He played uh-huh. on after two top clubs in Iran. And so when we were young, we would always go to the stadium to watch the games and kick around on the pitch after the games. Yes. So well, we always played since we were young and kids there just playing the streets. It was really in the culture that they started. And what did your parents do like when they when you were little little? Like what was your dad's profession? What was your mom up to? Uh, they were both in the education. So uh-huh. dad was in science, genetics and animal nice. genetics too. And my mom was also in like pharmacy and pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And so it's six years old, your parents decide to pick up and take you all to Toronto. How was yeah. that? Were you like, I don't care, I'm young, like we can go wherever? Was do you yeah. remember that at all? At six, I don't remember much. Just remember being in Canada and people speaking different. Yeah. This way they ended up looking at them weird, but Got it. And what took your parents there? Like, why leave to Canada? I also screwed. So the university called my father for a job in Canada. Nice. So that's how they went. Was it the University of Toronto or which college? Uh, university of Guelph. It's an hour from Toronto. Okay, got it. And so you can come out, going to school. Did you speak English at that point or word? Uh, no, it's that. So I had to learn. Got it. And so what were you interested in back then? Like, a, as a six-year-old, new place, don't skip the language, like, you know, what were you gravitating towards? So just soccer and maybe toy cars. So at six, you're already really into soccer. Yeah, yeah. We would always kick around in the garden. We had a big garden in Iran. Uh-huh. So all the cousins and kids, we would just kick around. And when did that start? Was it like literally when you were walking or like was there a point that like parents started having you play soccer? But I would say maybe four-ish. Four. Sure. There it is. Yeah. Got it. And so... Six, were you already saying, like, maybe I want to be a soccer player when I grow up? Like, that's was your dream? Or you already think, at six years old, a lot of kids are saying, this is what I want to be like. Yeah, I didn't really think about it, to be a soccer <laughs> player until I never been, I was 12 or 13. Okay. I was just playing, but now I didn't really know what I was doing, man. 
super not really educated in it as much. I would just say we were having fun with it. When Noah's at Nantatana, the kids started talking about city tunes, but then for tours, national tours, I started to learn that. Yeah, so you started taking it seriously when you were 12. So that 6 to 12 phase, like how long did it take you to sort of acclimate into, you know, I know a lot of Canadians are very nice people, so I doubt it was that much bullying, but how long did it take you to like make friends and start feeling good about being in Canada? Yeah, it was good. Actually, I was in school and one kid at school, he was like, there's tryouts for the city team. Our year was very popular because we had a coach. His name was Randy Reagan. And he played for Team Canada the only time they went to the World Cup. It was like a good opportunity to be coached by him. It's rare to have a pro player in that city, Guelph. So, and then I went to try like four or 500 kids and luckily I made it. So yeah, and it just kicked off from there. And that was when you were 12, you are saying? Yeah, uh, that was year 12, so I would have been 11. 11? Got it. And how'd it go? Like, your first time playing in that kind of a league, did you crush it? You were one of the best, or did you come out of the game as a running? Yeah, at that age, no one really stood out still, you know? Uh, yeah. None of us were training like crazy. We were all in <laughs> school playing for fun, so it was pretty even. I think as more the years went on, we started to learn more, become more professional. That's when we got better. And so at what point did you go, wow, I'm actually really good at this. This could be my ticket. Like, I, I'm outshining the people around me. Like, where? how old were you at that point? I would say about 14, 15. I saw okay. a difference, you know, more technical with the ball and certain skills. So yeah. I thought maybe there's a chance. And so being a, the trainer you are, like, were you like learning the fundamentals at a young age from your grandfather? Like, were you learning things that most, like, you know, even myself, like I played soccer as a kid, like there, a lot of kids play, but like I was never coached by anyone that knew anything with any legitimate drills or anything. It was just like, yeah, go kick the ball and try to get it in the goal kind of thing. So were you getting lessons even at four or five, six years old from your grandfather that you carried with you that you think gave you kind of that end? Or do you think it was more just, you were so committed to it, you trained more than everyone or both? Like, what was it about it that got you? Starting out. I think from a young age, like experiencing the stadium atmosphere and being in the stadium, checking around, being yeah. around people who love this sport, it helps a lot, you know? Yeah. It's different than the culture when we come to Canada. Wow. Yeah. I don't think many people at that time were like, oh, we have to be a tilt player. Yeah. That's just a fun thing to do at recess or lunchtime. Yeah. And that's, I think, how most people look at it, especially in North America. I guess Mexico is a little different, but. Yep. U.S. and Canada, it's always been more of a recreational thing. Like, I can go throw a piss. Yeah. Um, and so, all right, so at 14, 15, you start realizing I'm really good. How does the progression work in terms of, in Canada, like, the league? So, like, you were playing that city team. Where did you kind of go from there? How did you advance? So the levels in Canada is three to four levels at that age when we played. It was, like, level two, level one. And then the top level was OYSL, Ontario Youth Soccer League. Uh, so we were League One at 11 years old, and actually the first season, I think we won. So we went up to the top division, and yeah, we were lucky at that age to go to the top, and people were watching our players. So a lot of our players ended up in the Team Canada or other places in the youth teams. Nice. And how about you? How'd you where'd you end up from there? From there, actually, I played until 14, 15, and then that's when I joined the Canadian Soccer League at the wow. time so that was like canada's pro league you're uh, 15 playing with grown men is that what i'm hearing 
Yeah, but the team had two teams. So we had a reserve team and the first yeah. team. The first team was like 20 to 38-year-olds. Uh-huh. And But some days we would train together, you know? Yeah. So it would be a 15-year-old kid training with the adult team. Yeah. And yeah, from there I stood out and I got called up to the first team. So Wait, How old were you with the first team? I was 16. Wow. Okay. So 16 training with the first team and... Yeah, I got some minutes, five, ten minutes a game, but it was a learning experience. Huge. Yeah. At 16, when you've got 38-year-olds that hope to get five, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, how long did you play for the Canadian team? So, that was around four years. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we had a good team. Most of the players, I don't think we had one Canadian player. It was all- what, what league was that? Like, where were you playing? Who were you playing against? So, it was... At that time, there was a Canadian Soccer League and MLS, Major League Soccer. Well, you were playing in MLS. No, no. It was Canadian Soccer League and MLS. Yeah. There was only three Canadian teams at the time, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Yeah. And so the main league was the Canadian Soccer League there. But yeah. Montreal, uh, Toronto, and Vancouver also had teams in the Canadian Soccer League. So they had two teams. Yeah. But they used that league for their reserve team, like 23 worlds. Yeah. So they were also in that league. So, so yeah. you were playing in the Canadian league, not the MLS at that point. But you just muted. Yep, that's true. Got it. Okay. And then, so where did it go from there? You're now 16, already playing in this professional league. Yes. Think. And how was that? Was that, were you getting muscled around or were you keeping up and doing fine in those five to 10 minutes okay. you were playing? I think at that time I was doing fine. But when I look at it, it was crazy to think about you know when i see the pictures i was small these guys were crazy big yep um but we adapted you know just easy stuff received the ball played didn't get into situations where we're full body to body right to be smart and yeah but it was it was a good experience you know you grow bigger as a player playing with adults and yep. mentality you know these players they played their whole life and this was their only option you learn a lot playing with book yeah no that makes sense and so you were in that league for four years you said yeah four years where did what you do from there so in the four years we won two championships and that team was pretty well so one agent uh he sent me to slovakia uh-huh. uh, for a test so i was a slovakian premier league the team was called fc vion mm-hmm. and i was there two weeks preseason. then i did good and we went to turkey for more preseason. Mm-hmm. And from there, I signed with the team. I was there a few months, like five, six months. Yep. That was probably the best experience playing in a European yeah. top week. So that was probably the best. And so it, and it lasted five months, you said? Yeah, five, six months. And what happened from there? From there, I got injured and ah. went back to Boston to recover. Wow. And, and how old were you at that point then? That point, I would have been 21. And what yeah. kind of injury? It was a broken metatarsal, uh-huh. so the side of the foot was broken. Yeah. And so how long did that recovery take? Recovery took about six months. Got it. And did you get right back into it, start playing again, or what happened from there? Yeah, so during that time, actually, since we had a lot of free time, I came home to Boston a bit to recover. Home, and started to do, like, videos, you know? Yeah. Just playing around with the ball, doing stuff, and it started growing and growing. Yeah, so I put some time into social media apart from training. And so, yeah, you started building a huge following. Did you go back to playing in Slovakia or what happened after the healing? 
Yeah, so actually we started going around the U.S. because I knew some MLS players. And that time no one was really creating videos of professional soccer players. Yeah. And no one really had access to the training facilities and teams. It was really cool. So I thought, hey, I'm a player already. It would be cool to do like YouTube and watch up to professional at the same time. Yep. So I spent a lot of time like being content with prayers and trying different things. So I took a little break from things, a few months, and then yep. I was recovering. And then it just started growing. So I slept, ran to keep growing the books. Got it. So you took a break from playing professionally and you just focused on the content piece. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, and so, and that was how many years ago now? So that would have been six, seven years ago. Awesome. Like, so six, seven years in, at this point, you have what? one? I think I saw 1.1 million followers on Instagram, 1.7 million on Facebook. I didn't see what the count is on YouTube, but you built millions and millions of followers across all these different platforms. Do you, from a success standpoint, like a monetary standpoint, I assume you're making a lot more money off these channels than you could have as a professional player. Is that fair? Or Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason when I was playing in Slovakia at the top level and the difference between social media, like yeah. for instance, in Slovakia, you, you can make 4000 a month to 6000 a month. Yeah. And imagine you do one video now, you do like 30,000, 50,000. Yep. Well, it's crazy, you know, you're killing yeah. yourself all month playing professional. <laughs> and then and, you keep the one video easy. <laughs> and you started training players too, right? So it wasn't just you're going to go create videos with, you know, because you had some friends. Like you started doing drills and training as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was mostly training with professionals. And we like to just keep it professional players and yep. training. And so how did, the, like, during that period where you were starting it, like, how did you figure out which way you want to go with it? Like, you were creating little video, you're, I don't want to say little, but you were creating videos about the different drills you were doing. Then you started getting pro players to be on it, which obviously, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is the number one most followed person on social media. So, like, Software internationally obviously has the biggest appeal of anything. So you start yep. getting these other players to be a part of it. How did that then turn into training players, you know, building these videos? Like, what was that progression? And you're like, whoa, this is working. Whoa, this is working even more. Like, yeah. how did that go? Yeah. So, actually, it started early. So, the first player, actually, we did it with. I think that time I didn't have much followers, maybe 10,000, 15,000. And wow. I put the video up and it got three, 400,000 views. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's try with different players. And every time you work with a different player, we post, they post. So you get a mix of both audiences and yeah. a lot of players follow that player. So that would lead to more players wanting to do it. And it was just players and all other players. So it's a big network and to lose the biggest players in the world. Yep. No, that makes sense. And what was the first brand deal or paycheck you got from it? Like, when when did you realize, like, oh wow, this is can be my career, my profession? Like, yeah, working. So it was actually early on, which helped a lot. Or else I probably would have went back to playing. Yeah. So yeah, first deal I think that was with the sporting brand Umbro. They owned a lot of drugs in England and other countries. And they just reached out out of the blue or did you reach out to them how did that come to be yeah actually they reached out most of the brands we work with they reach out through the email or they find us through the videos or 
Um, you've not, you've never had to like be proactive and like go after the brand. They're, they're coming to you just fine. Yeah. Yeah. As of now, mostly the brands, they just message me, you know, was there a period where you ever had to hustle to get someone to pay you or did, has it always been inbound? Uh, I think it's always been for us. It's coming in. Yeah. Or sometimes people who are connected, they bring us offers too. And yeah. yeah. And are, and so on the training side, like obviously you're making a lot of money on social media and getting these collaborative posts, but you also like, where else is the income coming? Are you like actually being paid to go train these athletes? Are you now a paid coach for these people? Like tell me more about the, how it's all working now. Mostly it's sponsors or teams or brand base. All the soccer clubs have big sponsors, you know, Gatorade, Puma does these brands. So when we go to the top clubs, normally it's with the sponsor of the team. And so it's like Puma, we would go to Dortmund and other teams that they, they sponsor. Yeah. So they have easy access to organize those teams and big players because yeah. it's tough to, because these players are like two, 300 million value, you know, yeah. and they, they can't just arrange them for anyone to come to a training in case they get injured. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's what's unique about it. Got it. Uh, and are you monetizing straight off sponsorship or do you actually charge for your time now? Like how is the business model now working? Yeah, both ways. So it's coming from real sponsors, brand deals, events, like showing up to events. Yep. Uh, yeah, really everything, like 20, 30 things. You've truly made yourself an influencer and a celebrity. <laughs> it's awesome. It does. And I, was there ever a point, like, did you, when you were growing up, did you ever think, like, obviously you love soccer, but were you ever into that performative, like the performance side of things? Like, did you like being on stage or did you like being in front of people? Like, did you like, did you think you could be that influential at some point? Was that ever on your mind? Influential for sure, but not like crazy out there talking and stuff. Yeah. I, I was more like a shy player too, I would say. Uh-huh. I just like to play the game more. That's it. Yeah. Just football and that's it. Well, I'm but as time went on, I learned a lot. No? Yeah. So a couple questions left. Uh, one, what's next? Like, where, where do you want to take this? What's kind of on your horizon? What's in your future? Yeah, so the next step would be working with the biggest players. I mean, already we're working with the biggest players like Neymar and these type mm-hmm. of players, but we want to do it every week, you know? Yeah. One week Neymar, one week Messi, one week Ronaldo. Just have the best content in the soccer world and do creative things, you know, come up with new ideas and things to engage and inspire also the youth to go yeah. training and try different things. So, yeah. I mean, when you love soccer, you you can yeah. do anything. Wow, it's amazing. And so on that note, what would be one piece of advice you'd have for someone aspiring for just aspiring to reach their goals, whatever that might be, whether it's to be a professional soccer player, a top in business, top in music, whatever their field is, what's one piece of advice you either did get or wish you got that could help someone, you know, get on their way, you know, and to succeed? Yeah, I would say first patience. When you do something, be consistent, you know, keep doing it and see what's working, what's not. And go a lot of days. Some people maybe do something one or two months. It's not working. Uh, they might feel down, but you have to think like feel your process and just network. Look at people who are successful in what you want to do and network with them. Try to reach out. If they don't respond, try other people, you know, you maybe you message 500 people, one person responds and something happens. So you just have to keep focused and driven. Persevere. I love it. 
Well, Moawi, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming on Hawk Talk. Thanks, Eric. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.